In the following live session recording, Jonathan Lawhon, Media Director for Warren Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, talks about church video systems. This session is a discussion of what church video systems can involve, video projection, camera gear, live streaming, and much more. There are some cost-effective ways to make the most out of what you have and where video production technology is heading in the future. Let's join Jonathan now. Well, we're gonna kinda hit just kind of, we're, we're probably gonna touch on a little bit of everything. At any point, if y'all got like question, don't feel like you're gonna interrupt or anything. Um, this is just, I wanna be able to help start conversations and hopefully give y'all some information that's helpful for y'all in y'all's specific situations, as well as we're gonna kinda just do a little broad stroke. And so, um, sounds like y'all are all using video in some form, so we'll probably breeze through a good bit of this pretty quick. Um, kind of what I like to first talk with folks is kind of who are we doing this for? What's this for? And obviously in-service in support, in-service video support, visual for pre-service slides, sermon notes, lyrics, obviously, I'm sure probably everybody's using lyrics and not using hymnals. And, and so our in-service visual support, communication to our members. Um, I heard an interesting kind of statistic, I don't know, where it was from and how accurate it is, but they kind of say it takes seven times for our people to hear something, whether it's an event or an announcement or something, before hear it or see it before they actually yeah. remember it. So if you think about it that way, if you've got screens running announcement loops out in the halls when they're dropping their kids off, okay, there's one. When they come in before the service, if you're running pre-service slide announcements, there's two. Somebody comes up to do the welcome, and then when they're saying, hey, don't forget, in two weeks we've got this Sunday night thing, and you got a slide talking about it behind them, well, there's three. You know, so, and then if you're using digital media and you post it to Instagram or Facebook, there's four. So just from our visuals and video systems, I mean, we're four out of the seven there, you know, and so visual communication is obviously key and all around. Um, so then also your online digital presence, whether you're doing it on the church website, YouTube, Vimeo, um, you know, posting it live or after the fact, after the service, your Facebook, and then um, even your podcast, getting your audio out there. Um, and then I'll, and then we'll talk, you know, broadcast and live stream. Is it, you know, putting the sermon out there for your, you know, for your community a week later, if you're doing it in, uh, like, that's how we do it at Warren. We're not live. We do it a week, yeah, we week delay. Week later. Yeah, because we edit it, polish it, clean it up, make sure this all the notes are coming in. I edit all the notes in post, so so they're right on point when he's talking. Um, yeah, so just you know, those are all the different ways um, that we're using this ministry tool. And one question I'd like to ask the folks that are kind of in charge and um, that work with these teams and work with equipment is. What's a good level of production for your church? And, and I, what I mean by that is not necessarily what's the showmanship of it, if you will, but what's the quality of production to where it's not distracting in the services or online? And what's the quality of production to where your volunteers can manage it? Um, I know it, it is easy to piecemeal and DIY it and out open source software, you know, a system together. But if there's one person that can t 
knows how to do this and tweak it and if they're not there and all of a sudden the live stream goes down can the volunteers manage it can the volunteers get it back up and running do the volunteers even know how to turn it on if someone you know if i showed up if i woke up sick on a sunday as my team is it am i at a level of production where my team can manage it and, and run with it without me there um and that's where i kind of i want to encourage you know if you are you know, like you inherit a system, if you're looking at upgrading equipment, man, not that you have to spend just you know tons of money, but but go quality and do it right the first time. Um, and there's technology is so scalable now as far as quality and you know the amount of number of cameras out there is just you know you can go ten thousand dollar camera, you can go a thousand dollar camera, but just encourage you to do the research by what meets the need um, and not just what's cheap um, because it, inevitably if you go that route it's going to you're going to replace that system three times over the life of, of something of good quality and good quality doesn't always mean expensive um, so uh, do, 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 do. yeah so we're gonna kind of hit on just uh, basic video systems, kind of intermediate and then more advanced. We'll talk about live stream and then some kind of questions to throw out there just to ask yourself if you're considering or doing a live stream. Um, so really down to the nitty gritty basics is presentation software and a projection screen or a display. Um, is everybody using ProPresenter? Yeah, we're still with PowerPoint. Still a PowerPoint. <laughs> All right, we need to we need we need to get get you a ProPresenter demo. Yeah. Now, um, I, I personally love ProPresenter. I mean, it throw, it handles everything I can throw at it. And back to making it easy and setting up our volunteer search for success. To me, ProPresenter does that. If I if we spend a little time on Thursday when we're when our staff guys are there loading it and making sure the lyrics are right and loaded and all that, then when volunteers come in Sunday, everything's ready to go and they can focus on getting the slides up there on time and playing the videos when they're supposed to play and not have to fumble through clunky software or you know software that's freezing up or so. So that's where I I mean. That would be my recommendation <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you're needing one. I mean, there are, you got Easy Worship, you've got Media Shout. Um, I think Easy Worship's come a long way. It's been a long time since I've used it, but before we launched a pro, we were primarily, we were Easy Worship. And I mean, it's a good software. Um, I mean, it's, uh, I think they've come a long ways with adding some features from what I've heard as far as like stage display and, you know, the, all that kind of stuff. So. Um, but that'd be another good one too. So basic video system, um, and with all our systems, we're using a kind of already mentioned to in-service screen support, pre-service slides or videos, visuals to help support the pastor. Um, I don't know, do y'all's pastors, pastors use sermon notes and, and or videos on the screen? Mm -hmm. Ours doesn't use it a lot. We doesn't use it a lot. Yeah. So just our youth pastor does, but our pastor doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, we've, you know, even if the pastor's not kind of like, hey, I definitely want to use it, but I mean, you could encourage them. If we've got OCC, Operation Christmas Child, coming up, well, they do some really great quality produced videos where you can go download for free. You'd be like, hey, let's 
run this during the welcome time of the service and you know encourage our people or sermon starter or worship you know videos that kick off worship whether it's Easter or Christmas time they you know a gamut of uh, media can be used to enhance the service um, and as we're planning and and thinking through and brainstorming how to use visuals and media I mean it is our job to hopefully encourage and enhance worship and not distract from it. Um, and just wanted to throw this out here, kind of while we're ta- kind of talking about the actual media. Um, if y'all haven't hit up some of these websites, these are kind of m- most of my go-to ones for media. So whether it's motion backgrounds or stock images for announcement slides, um, some of these are paid. Like Shift Worship is a um, monthly subscription. Uh, I don't remember how much it is because actually our publications department is one technically that. It's like two fifty a year now. Is it? Yeah. yeah. So I'm getting ready to. I haven't gotten it yet. I'm getting ready to go. go yeah, ahead. and it's it's great. I mean, our publication office uses it. We just have one login for the church mm-hmm. and share it among all the different offices, and and we'll pull pull videos, um, background stills, whatnot from that, and then Worship House Media is kind of my go-to for uh, sermon intros you know, support videos for um, for teaching time. And the Mother's Day video. Yeah, yeah, Mother's Day, Father's Day video, um, you know, Fall Family Fest kind of stuff. You know, I mean, just if we're not going to produce it in-house or if we don't have time, I'll usually hit up, hit up there. Um, another one, this one's a cool one, unsplash.com. It is a free uh, download stock images, stock photos. So you can... Say you're going to have a men's breakfast, and you need just a, back, a cool background for a announcement slide. You can go there and type in breakfast, and it'll you know, bring up all these images of you know tables with breakfast food yeah. out there, or something, or you know all kinds of um, stuff like that. And I think uh, freely photos is kind of that same uh, same type of thing. But anyway, so I just want to kind of just share those, throw those out there, because um, those are kind of my my go-to. Uh, resources when I'm looking for stock stuff. Um, when we're talking about a, any of our systems, we're going to have a way to display it to our people. To our people, um, and, and we'll talk hardware here for a second. You got consumer grade TVs, and then you got projection, which a lot of us use, and uh, you know y'all have just got done installing TVs. And then you got the big LED panels, like what Messenger Media is displaying up there outside the uh, sanctuary upstairs. Um, consumer TVs, they have their place. I mean, y'all are y'all are putting them in right now. Um, so, a lot of times you kind of have to just weigh: is it is the screen size big enough? Is it you know depending on the room, mm-hmm. is it a good fit for what we need? And that, oftentimes we just have to take those case by case. Um, and depending on how much you're using it, I would just encourage you to just kind of really say, okay, are how how much are we going to use this? And is the lifespan of this technology going to last us you know and so it's just one of those you know research get information you know get consultation to be like okay is this going to be the best fit for us i mean because if you think about it really tvs nowadays are technically throwaway appliances you know what i mean like if if you get a couple years out of a tv and it breaks at your house there i mean there are no more tv repair bands hardly you know what I mean? You're gonna just pitch it and replace it. Um, 
so they have their they have their place. Um, LED panels on the whole other opposite end of the spectrum, like what they've got upstairs, those are none of us probably will ever be putting one of those in our church because the the price tag and just the the function and they have a very specific niche. You know, if you're a huge church with lots of windows, you're gonna have to go that route because of you're not gonna be able to project and with all the ambient light. Or if you've got a place where it's just hard to get a projector into. I mean, it's very, very kind of a, a niche market, in my opinion, for there. Um, so it means probably most of us are gonna be putting a projector in. So if I'm putting in a projector nowadays, I would not do anything but a laser projector. Um, I don't know if y'all have seen those or, or, or seen the specs on them. But a standard uh, LED type projector, you get about 2,000 hours out of a lamp life. Laser projectors, you get 20,000 hours out of a lamp life. So you're gonna, uh, you know, both projectors may last you 10 years, but you're gonna be replacing these project the standard projector bulbs three or four times over the life of that projector. Whereas laser projector. I, you probably won't still be at the church when it's still burning, you know? Like I figured it up um, for our, um, one of our venues, the one we use the most throughout the week, I calculated up as around, I think 12 hours a week that our bulbs are burning. You know, from rehearsal to they're shut down, so about 12 hours a week. Um, and that calculated up to like, 12 or 15 years that that bulb would burn and I'm like okay I was like when it was, so when our when ours get ready to need replacing um, we were definitely putting laser back in um, Do you see a difference in the um, like the lumen rays and things like that between yeah the and, and like yeah uh, I mean this, and things like that yeah contrast ratio is really great on them I mean you can get standard bulbs that will probably look equivalent you know, pretty close to each other. Yeah. But the great thing is, like a standard bulb, is once you start burning them over the life of that bulb, it's gonna be rocking, you know, real good. But then yeah. about 50% through the life, your contrast is gonna start dipping, your blacks aren't gonna look real good, yeah. then the, just the brightness, and then it's gonna just do it like a 50% of its life is gonna be just tapering off. Laser, you're rock and rolling 100%, till about 90, 95% of its life. And then, and then, so the drop off of more dramatic. Is, is way more dramatic. Kind of like the batteries, the rechargeable batteries nowadays. I mean, you'll be rocking and rolling and then all of a sudden you ain't got any more batteries left. Um, so, so over the life of that 20,000 hours, you're gonna have a real consistent image, really high quality image. And again, they have specs just like other projectors though, do I have a 10,000 to one contrast ratio or 20,000 to one contrast ratio? Lumens, you can buy them in any range of lumens. So, so that's where your ambient lighting, what's your stage lighting looking like, placement, throw, screen size, all those things kind of factor into being like, okay, do we need a 3,000 lumen? Do we need a 8,000 lumen? So forth and so on. But, but just for the maintenance factor, the the maintenance, cost of maintenance 
um, and the longevity of and the quality of that longevity of that image. So laser versus any other hands down laser. You're going to pay a little bit more up front. I mean, I would not. I wouldn't say it was. It would be double the price, but you know, a three thousand dollar standard projector may cost you about forty five hundred to five equivalent in a laser. But over the life of that projector, you'll you'll save you'll save money with the bulb cost. Um, so next would be kind of what I would say the intermediate system. Um, instead of just a single input to a projector, now we've added other inputs, camera, uh, or a second computer possibly, and we're adding some sort of way to switch that video signal, and then one maybe a way to capture that video signal out of our switcher. Um, and then kind of stepping up to the next ring realm, which kind of sounds like kind of even where you guys are, Got our inputs, we got a switcher, we're capturing, and we're just, you know, distributing it around our campus. Yeah, man, I got all that. I don't know what it is. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, it, it was it was there when, when I, sure. I inherited it all. But I do know that we can capture and we can live stream. <laughs> okay. And I want to do it, but right now it's 1970 every time I turn on my uh, capture unit. So uh -huh. I've got to go in and change the CMOS battery and then try to figure out where to send my signal to to a server, this, that, or the other, because that's what it's wanting. Okay. And I know, since I'm the IT guy too, whether I need to connect this network over to this network or whatever, so I can get what I've got to get. Okay, so okay. I just got to go. So what what equipment are you coming Your capture system is? Yeah, I got a Crestron uh, uh, HD ah. system, and okay. it will live stream. Okay. I'm not familiar with the Crestron streaming. Yeah. Um, I didn't know they even made one. Yeah. This is it pretty pretty old? Uh, five years. Okay, not too old. But when it says when it says live streaming, I'm, I'm not sure whether what it's trying to do is set up its own server where everybody just kind of okay, I'll just watch this. So I'm going to go to server number 153. Dot whatever. Uh, okay. And, or whether or not. I can connect to a server with this IP address or have this server connect to this IP address and then send it out somewhere. I don't know yet. Yeah. That's where I'm stuck. Yeah. Wow. I'd almost would say don't use that thing. <laughs> I mean, it streaming has come such a long ways to be more user friendly. Right. Where you don't, it sounds like that's like if you want to host your own streaming server. There is part of that, yeah. You know, yeah, if you want it, if you want to have your hands around and be like, hey, you have to come to us and we'll stream you this video. But there's so many other easy options. And I mean, um, to say, okay, hey, here's my video signal. I'm going to get it to you and, I, and you take it and send it to these places for me. Um, that would be great. Easy is good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, well, we'll talk about some of that. Um, so when we're live streaming, so we'll, um, we're going to start with our source, obviously, and you know whether it's a single camera, if you're going to do just a single camera, and that's just going to be a stage shot, or if you've got a multi-camera and you're you got somebody switching between all the inputs. 
we have to take that that video data encode it interface it into a computer and this sounds like this is probably where that Crestron is the interface and the processing right. all in one um, so this may be kind of where you can be like hey we're gonna sever our feed there coming from the switcher here we're going to interface into a computer and then the computer can take it and from there you can say okay stream a lot to Facebook stream it to YouTube live right yeah stream it to our website um, and so um, so these are kind of the basic components of making a making a live stream happen um, <clears throat> this like this setup we're doing right now so we got this little Sony camera which is a few hundred bucks we got our video and audio interface here this is Blackmagic web presenter and then we've got our computer just a little uh, Chromebook so with all this I mean you're talking a couple thousand bucks so you're not talking tens of thousands of dollars what about your guy right there this guy yeah, like Black Magic. How, much, how much is that guy? 600 bucks Explain again what it one. does. Yeah, okay, so this is our interface. Let me, uh, so the Blackmagic Web Presenter, this takes your audio and video source. So the, this is the, what the back of it looks like. This is, and this is why I really like this unit. It has a separate audio input. So you can bring, instead of using the onboard audio, which is gonna sound like trash, or trying to or having to try to find a way to get audio into this mini headphone or mini mic jack here yeah. you can come out ascend from your board xlr or record out even and send separate audio and video to this box and then from there it'll realign your audio video and encode it to where your computer can access it so you can't just plug straight HDMI into a computer and encode that way. So this will take, combine those two signals and then send it out USB. So this does all the processing so the computer can just access it like it would a webcam. And so in this situation, like we're, we're just going to straight, right now we're going to Facebook Live and Blackmagic shows up as one of my options as an input. Um, so I could, like in this case, could choose the onboard camera or just hit the drop down and we can go black magic. And so right now, if I hit go live, we'd be going live on Messenger Media's Facebook page. Um, backing up real quick to the camera. No matter, I mean, these little guys, these little camcorders are great in probably most applications, um, especially if you're just doing a static shot of the stage. Uh, the Main thing you gotta have is a clean HDMI out. Uh, so an, HD, an HDMI signal output that's not gonna display your battery life and your card, uh, you know, how much space is available on your card. So if it'll give you a clean HDMI out, you're probably gonna be, you know, you'll, you'll be able to use it. Um, the lenses on these things obviously don't pay attention to anything that says digital zoom or digital, you know, you can look at what the optical zoom is. Um, let me go back to my notes here for a second. Uh, another couple of cameras, the Canon Vixia G20 um, is a great little camera. It's still in that you know four or five hundred dollar range, and it has a 10x 
yeah, 10x optical zoom. So if you're going to be able to place your camera within about 50 feet of your stage, you know, you should be in good shape. Um, if your room's longer than that, they make one called the Vixia G40. Um, the, both of those give you a clean HDMI. The G40's got a 20x optical zoom. Um, so you can set that camera back a little bit further, you know, on a tripod and lock it down on the stage. These little camcorder style cameras can work for streaming like in this type of setup because mainly because we're not needing to worry about the audio. We're not using the audio on the onboard camera at all. So we don't have to jump up in price to those more prosumer kind of level cameras where we can bring an XLR from our board, plug it into the camera and go from there. We're doing that here. So we don't have to worry about what kind of audio is coming off that guy over there. Um, so now we've got our video signal. We got audio coming from our board. This box is marrying them, marrying them together. And the cool thing about this little box is actually a two channel. So you have two channels here. So you can select channel one camera, or you can select channel two as a second computer. Um, so if you had a, com a second computer running your sermon notes, if you were doing that, you could actually switch. You could actually switch between your camera and your and your sermon notes live on the stream. Um, or if you had a uh, and separate uh, from your front of house. Oh yes, yes, and completely separate from what's going on on your screen. Uh, in the room. So that can stay sermon notes or can stay camera or whatever. But you could be doing your own switching on the live stream only. Yeah. But, um, and I even had, we were talking in a group yesterday, I was like, it'd be cool even if you had a uh, another computer being able to play an input to this separate from what's going on to the room. You could have your pastor pre-record a, a little closing message if you wanted to. And you could say, Hey, thanks for tuning in to the live stream today. Really grateful you were able to tune in. We'd love to connect with you in person. If we can, you know, minister to you in any ways, feel 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 free to call us, contact us. We hope to see you. Even hope to see you here next week. You know, you could even do something like that. And so, play the sermon, hit play on this computer, and it's only going to the live stream. You switch to that computer, and now you've kind of got a personalized message for that audience. So when um, you switch to the second computer, is is that a second audio feed as well yeah well, I was looking in on this um, you can program it here to basically audio audio follow video mm -hmm. and so it can have it has one audio input but the SDI input on here um, will let you do SDI and audio on on that input so you would have if you did have a second computer input you would have to have um, a display to a SDI converter and those I think uh, black magic makes one I think a couple hundred bucks um, so you, it would take another one more step to get the computer in as an SDI, um, but it could be done pretty. Could you do it the way? Could you do it the opposite way, where if the camera, if it has SDI, comes into that part and the computer goes there? Yes. Yeah. If you, yeah, if you, if you've got a camera that's got SDI, totally. Yeah. Come straight SDI, SDI out of the out of the camera or the video switcher. If your switcher gives you SDI, pop it in there and, and roll that way. And then just then yeah then you can run HDMI from a computer straight into the to the switcher or to the encoder. Um, so it's really just kind of all depends on that other the other peripheral equipment and that workflow. But um, now uh, one thing let's catch back up. 
those. Alright, um, any, can I, any other information y'all, can I give y'all on this little guy? No, I'll look that up here. Yeah. We can yeah, it's really great. I mean, even with the preview monitor, the audio monitors, and it's, and it, you can actually have it where it'll crossfade or cut transitions. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty neat little box. I mean, for six hundred bucks, we'll. Um, well, my capture device, you know, I can capture a USB and uh, SD card on it, and uh, it encodes it and all. I mean, we're we're to what MP4 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Thing is, is I'm I'm curious as to whether or not that capture box can interface directly with that, or whether I've got to come from a different different place because it's got all the it's got the loop out and the audio out and all that on the back of my capture box. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, if, if you've got a loop out of your capture, yeah. um, then you should be able to loop out of that and into this guy, as long and as it carry audio and all right. Um, it'll carry audio on the SDI. So if you're able to loop out SDI to this, then audio will just pass through. Um, if you need to come out HDMI, don't quote me that this will take HDMI audio, but it, it might. Okay. Um, there, I think I saw in the menu settings in there where you can change which audio source you're using. Um, yeah, but it either way, but it, even if it doesn't, you would just pull another another line off your board and drop it in on the audio input here. Um, talking about live stream, if you're thinking about doing it or are doing it, um, good audio is going to make or break your stream. I mean, think about it, anytime you pull up a video, it could be 4K video, and if the audio is trash, you're probably not going to watch too much of it. Um, and that's, again, that's why I kind of like the capabilities of some this or something very similar, being able to have a mix off my board. Um, and it'd be great if that mix is separate than your house mix. Um, if you've got a way somebody can pop on some headphones during rehearsal, you know, whether it's an aux or an omni out or something, if you depend on your board, and do a separate mix for quote unquote broadcast and live stream, um, it just increases your quality. I mean, just, I mean, hands down. We actually don't have a good way to do our broadcast mix at Warren, so we mainly stream just the sermon. So we, we kind of, we punch in about 90% of the way through worship and automatically start streaming. And that way, if you tune in right at the very beginning, you'll probably catch a couple, two, three minutes of the last song. And then we go into the sermon. Mainly because, not because our camera guys don't do their job well and our switcher guys can't do it, but it's mainly because audio. Yeah. It's just the, the audio, the mixes, we're not there. We're not there yet. And we don't want to put something out there that's going to, you know, it's not going to be a quality. Not that we, I said this uh, yesterday, I'm trying to think how I said it, not that we want to impress people, but we want to make a good impression on people. Um, you know, we don't want to do any of this, whether it's in service or, or on our digital streams to, you know, make ourselves look good, but at the same time, if we had somebody move into town, and 95% of the people before they visit your church are going to check you out online, then we want to what they see to be quality and represent represent us the church well. This is more of an audio thing mm -hmm. related to sending sure. that in. 
Um, do you have any recommendations for adding adding the room reverb in, into the? Because um, like right now, right now I'm leaving the choir mics on to, to get that reverb back into the. To kind of get a room mic. Yeah, to, to get a room mic. I didn't know if, if, if you maybe had recommendations on. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, like like placement or something like that. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, if you need just just to be able to give you that kind of live feel, like you're there in the room. Yeah. So you're doing. Otherwise, you're, the sound off of our off of our board is very very harsh and dry. Yeah, um, and then you can chime in on this too. I mean, if you when we ran a true broadcast audio, what was called broadcast audio, whether streaming or broadcast, when we were at in Tifton, um, we actually had a pair of room mics that hung in the room and in our case they went straight down to the broadcast board they actually never went to yeah. the front of house um, if, obviously if you don't have that type of setup yeah. you could take two mics or a mic in the room whether it's hanging from the ceiling or placed depending on the mic maybe in the booth if it's depending on the location yeah. you could have that and input onto the board but just don't assign it to stereo, so your sound guy accidentally doesn't pipe it into the house. Yeah. And then, so if it's assigned, not assigned to go to stereo, but if you have an aux bus or a, a separate mix bus, yeah. then you could mix that in to your broadcast feed without having to worry about it going to your house mix. Because yeah, right now I'm using the choir mics just as a just kind of a, a easy way to easy yeah. way to do that, but I have to make sure that the sound guy leaves the choir mics on and, and what I do on and not up because you know well what 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 I do is 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 I'm I'm sending the choir mics to a submaster mm -hmm. and they're using the submaster to mute it in the house but then I'm using the aux to go to the yeah yeah you know, the board. yeah um I so I would go I, the best experience I've had with that is to use some sort of small diaphragm condenser microphone like a choir mic um, my favorite is like a shotgun microphone. Um, Rode makes the it's the NT1 is the cheapest version of it, but it, it's a it's a it works fine. Um, but w if you point that towards your congregation, you're gonna get a lot more natural sound. But the biggest key to it is to um, put on headphones and EQ that microphone to sound natural in, yeah. in headphones. Yeah. People always skip that step for some reason. They just they'll have a room mic and they just leave it wide open. Yeah. Um, and and it, microphones are just built to pull more detail than our ears normally get. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like the it's, it pulls more information than you really need, so that you can chop off what you don't need and, and, and mold it how it, how it should sound. So if you stick a like a small diaphragm condenser microphone, like a like a choir mic or a um, uh, like a, a shotgun mic or something like that towards your congregation, uh, that's really awesome for congregational singing as well um, so during during your music set uh, yeah, and that's that's one of the differences that with the choir mics I would get I get the choir singing but like if, if the choir wasn't there I wouldn't get much of the congregations mm -hmm. right singing, you know? yeah or if you did turn them up loud enough to kind of it would just be real hollow yeah well and, the, yeah. and again the, the biggest difference is you're trying to make if you EQ that microphone for a room mic it's gonna be different than what you would want for a choir mic yeah. Um, and so you're going to cut out a lot more low end, um, and yeah. you're going to probably make it sound a, a, a little bit clearer on the top end, versus like where uh, yeah. the, the the lady section of a choir mic. I'm going to yeah. dip some of that stuff, right? Yeah. I'm going to get mm -hmm. some of that harshness out. Um, but it sounds great for a, for a 
room in a congregation or a reverb. Yeah. So okay. that's well, what and it's all about placement too. I mean, if you're if you're wanting to mic the room, then your choir mic's pointing in the wrong direction. Yeah. You know, so yeah, take a take an old choir mic or extra choir mic and pop it on the front, hidden somewhere, kind of on the side of the front of the stage, and point it back at at the at the uh, at the room. But on now, like we use uh, ambient mics, room mics for our bands for in ears, you know, so they can mix it in their in ears if they wanted to a little bit. Yeah. But uh, any of those mics are programmed to where they can't go to the house mix. Yeah. They're on. They're there. They're on the board. They're on the front of the house board. But we don't assign them to the stereo because if somebody accidentally didn't know what they were doing and pulled that up in the mix, yeah. Yeah. You'd, you'd have a mess. You've been to first meeting, right? Huh? You've been to Lee Chitwood's first meeting. Um, he went inside of one, some of you know, there's, there's columns along the side, um, and I'm not sure what your sanctuary looks like, but um, if you go, he went inside of, I mean, not inside, but like, he used those columns to kind of hide his room mics. Okay. He kind of went up and pointed two shotgun mics into the congregation. Okay. Uh, and I talked to him about it, but I think that's working really, really well for him. Uh, he talked to me about it like a year ago, and okay. that's what he said his plan was. So. I think it's, I think it's, that's a, I thought it was a good idea to kind of use the structure of the room to hide it. But he's not on the platform. If you're on the platform, you're going to get a lot of stage noise in that. You're going to get a lot of. Um, yeah. You're also too close to your speaker cluster. So, but that's the other part about it is if you're out in the congregation and your speakers are pointed at the microphone, you're going to get a lot of just your mix from it. So, getting it behind something structurally helps kind of get diffuse some of that. Yeah. Um, and okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's where if you're able to go to more shotgun versus a cardioid, you know, choir mic, yeah. you will get a, a good bit more of, you know, uh, you know, uh, you don't want to pick up behind the mic as much. Okay. Um, obviously, when it comes to live stream specific, our reliable fast internet connection is going to be uh, pretty key. I mean, I think, um, you know, with the way some of these encoders are going now, they don't require as, as much bandwidth as they probably did several years ago, but having something reliable to where our people, if we've got an audience that's going to be building to check us out online, they're not going to just tune in, they're just going to just sit there and buffer every two, three minutes. Um, and probably the biggest question is what platform are we going to want to engage our people on? Um, so like I think like you said you're all doing just Facebook right now via phone yeah, the stream we're just doing a Facebook live yeah right and you know and, and really that is probably one of the easiest yeah. platforms to get onto Facebook live YouTube live um, it's pretty simple if you're choosing a single platform to go to because like we did like we did here Facebook is can can see this encoder directly uh, YouTube live can see it directly we could, so we could stream to either one of those platforms without any additional software, without any additional um, programming. And with Facebook Live, I'm pretty sure probably with YouTube Live too, you could, you could schedule it to where it'll just automatically stream. So you could set schedule on Sunday at 11 o'clock and start streaming. Um, so those are some of the easiest ones. Um, if you go to kind of a more let's say advanced stream where you want to stream to multiple platforms at once, that's where your software is going to have to change. You're going to have to 
add a uh, an encoding software. So it's going to take the video from here into the computer. Then from the computer is going to send that source to a second software before it sends out to Facebook Live and YouTube Live and your website simultaneously. So that middle piece, that middle ground is going to be basically a distribution hub for you. And that's where you're going to get into some, some paid subscriptions more than likely. I mean, you could do um, like an OBS encoding software, which is an open source, but it's only going to still just go to one destination. Um, if you're going to, if you want to go to Facebook Live and YouTube and your website at the same time, you're probably going to have, you're going to have to use something like uh, Ecamm or vMix or there's a company Livestream. Um, there's another one that I've heard about last weekend when somebody told me they were using, but I haven't um, researched it much, is uh, churchstream.tv. And you can take uh, your stream and then send it out to Facebook, YouTube, all those places. But then it also creates a uh, Apple TV channel and a Roku channel um, of your stream, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, so I'm going to kind of check on that. Uh, Vimeo Live will um, let you stream to multi-platforms. Um, and I'm not sure like oh, how much, uh, like churchstream.tv, I think you said it was around 150 a month kind of price range, but most of them, um, I think vMix may be a one-time purchase. Ecamm, I think, has gone to a subscription base. I think they may be 40 bucks a month kind of, kind of price range. Um, but again, we're back to what platform do we want to engage people with? And do we want to send everybody to Facebook Live? Or do we want to offer them the opportunity to see it, YouTube, Facebook, the church website, you know, all those things. So that's kind of the question you got to work with leadership on and say, all right, what fits into the overall mission of our church and and where do we have the most engagement? If you have a really great Facebook in general, just uh, interaction with your people and with your community, then that might be the right spot to go. Um, but uh, yeah, that's so having the, you're going to have to have that that middle uh, middle ground software there, um, and kind of talking about platforms and um, <clears throat> just why we're why if you're considering streaming why we're streaming it. I read this article by this guy Jake Goslin. And he just has some questions to ask yourself, like, why do we need to live stream our worship gatherings? Is there a need in our community for that? Um, and is the cost versus return worth it? If we are going to have to pay up, up our internet provider, our bandwidth with them, if we are going to have to pay 150 bucks a month, if we are going to have to, you know, buy a couple of thousand dollars worth of equipment, is that just... Are we going to get the return off that investment? With there being, and you have to think about that too, is there are alternatives to actually live streaming. It's like, are we going to miss that many audience participation, you know, with, with viewers going live versus posting it Monday morning on YouTube? 
or, or a Facebook page. So that's a question to ask yourself is like, do we want to do live because it, uh, it really is a need or is are we doing live because it's because we're not and we think it potentially could reach people? Are we doing live because it's just cool? I don't know, you know. Um, so if you've got great viewership on the videos you post on Monday and on your Vimeo channel or YouTube channel, then you know it, it possibly could be a good uh, outreach, you know, an outreach to a community. Or are we doing this because we have ten shut-ins that can't come to church anymore? Well, if that's the case, then well, maybe we don't want to invest all this mon monthly charges and all this equipment, then that may be an opportunity to do a Facebook Live with just a phone, but do it as a private group to where you can invite those people and say, hey, you can't attend, so we're just going to get, not that we don't want to give you quality, but we don't want to just throw this out there on the internet and just let anybody view it because of video quality is not great and audio quality quality is not great. And, and it's back to what kind of first impression are we going to make on potential visitors if they're, if they're checking us out and they see that versus, you know, just trying to get it to our people who, who are going to watch no matter what the quality is. You know, see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, so, um, so that's kind of just, you know, like I said, just some basic kind of just thought and nothing. There's no right, wrong answer. If it's a, if it is a great ministry outreach tool for your church and there is a need for it, I mean, by all means, do it. I mean, it's, um, but just do it well. Do it well with uh, good audio quality, video, get the best you can and get it. And because I mean, ultimately we're out there to make disciples and multiply disciple makers. And if this is one tool that we can use to, you know, communicate to our community, then by all means, uh, we'll do it. Um, I don't know why that went a lot faster today. <laughs> it's because I'm tired. Um, but what else, what else can what can we uh, help y'all with and answer any? Here's here's a here's a question. Yeah. Um, if 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 you if you were stuck with one camera in a fixed position, uh huh. Where where would you, in general? like to put it um for me direct on to the side yeah if i were doing a single camera i would do direct on best i can on, on the center of the room uh obviously you want to get it up high enough when people if you're going to stream the whole service so you don't have people standing high enough for people obviously aren't standing up but not so high in the very top of the back balcony where you're looking at the top of the pastor's head when he's preaching yeah. um and you got to look at your framing so if I got stage to stage, well, if nobody's over here, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zoom in a little bit tighter. I'm not going to come all the way to a knee up of the pastor because I don't want him walking off the frame if I don't have somebody, you know, manning it. So give him some walking room, but but get in there a little, a little, a little tighter. But yeah, I, I typically like just a good straight on. Um, if you get to going on a side angle and then you're up, you're not seeing the, the the face of the pastor direct. You're not seeing it, all of his expressions and emotions. I mean, you're getting that kind of perspective where you would be kind of awkward to watch it for a while. Yeah. You know, if you got multicam and you cut away to that shot every now and then, I mean, that's perfectly fine. Kind of give people different perspectives, but if I had a single camera, I'd do straight on. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, actually at Warren, we have, we're just running two cameras right now in our worship center, the other one's down, and both of ours are on either side of the back aisle. So we do kind of a wider shot and a tighter shot from there. And so we're doing actually both. And even in Simmons, our other venue, all three of our cameras are within 10 to 15 feet of the middle of the room. So we're not doing what real far angles. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what I would do. And then um, another thing when we're talking about just video quality, what will really help, especially these little type cameras, is um, good lighting. Keeping a good wash on your stage, because um, the contrast on these cameras are pretty good, but if you've got really dark side stages, even if you're in a real wide shot, and most of your shots in the real dark area in the center of this, where the pastor's preaching is really lit up well, well the camera's probably gonna have a little hard time balance in that contrast so just you know you either soften him down and let the camera kind of bring up that exposure but giving getting good lighting <coughs> excuse me will help increase your video quality without having to go up in the, to the real expensive cameras I mean, good lighting will make a, a okay camera look better whereas bad lighting Really high dollar cameras gonna kind of overcome some more uh, less than optimum lighting. Mm -hmm. But um, what other kind of things are um, y'all hoping to kind of expand to or use or? Like y'all, you said y'all are um, distributing video around the campus. Are y'all doing? Just within the building. Yeah, within the, the building. building. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea was to distribute further out uh, to our, our fellowship hall and then the, our old sanctuary, which is going to be the site of the educational wing one of these days. Um, but we we haven't done that, so we're just in this we're in the building right now. Okay. Uh, I'm, I was thinking we used to run into our, our nursery. We had um, we had audio run into our nursery, but that was when we were in the old sanctuary. I don't know if they're running it over there or not, which mm -hmm. explains a lot because our nursery volunteerism is a little down, so I'm like, hey, if they're not hearing anything over there, maybe that's why they're not yeah. all over there. So I gotta check into that. Yeah. That There's um our our system at Warren is is a closed network, an older system, older uh, FSR system. So it actually has its own point to point cat six running from a hub to T V to receiver. So it's on closed network. But there's a lot of really cool technology that they've come out with now where you could do video and audio over IP. So it just hops on the IP network. So you, you got a, a encoder and it's dumping your video down to the your just your in-house network and you go to TV down in nursery room and you can say, okay, well, there's a switch down there in this closet, pull off that switch and, yeah, and you go. pop audio and video off. And so kind of excited about those possibilities whenever we're able to upgrade our system so we don't have to run all new cables and well and then if you change locations or even if you did something temporary I didn't think about that if you did say you had Easter and y'all just put up a temporary TV to run something you could pop it off as an overflow or something right. you know we've kind got, of thing we've got something similar to that I, I wasn't there when they that we built a new education building and I think that's what they are using. Mm -hmm. I was kind of thinking they were using coax to run run over there, but it might be over IP. Okay. Um, um, but but they're 
it's com it's coming off the HDMI splitter from the camera and then going converting to a to I think a, I think an IP thing. Mm -hmm. But so it runs over to our education building and so all all the Sunday school rooms have a, have a TV and they, and they can't pull up the service in there. Oh well, all the TVs. But so we we used so we used our children's church room, which is the biggest room over there, for our overflow on, on Easter. Okay, okay. Yeah. We were actually talking with um, I think it was last weekend. We had a a guy who was trying to thinking about distributing video um, to all the TVs and all the Sunday school rooms, and we were brainstorming on yeah. on ideas how to do it cost-effectively without having to yeah. have a receiver at every TV and, and all this but um, yeah that's cool that any of the any of them can pull up the pull up the sermon yeah I wasn't I wasn't there for the installation so I didn't get to see yeah I don't actually know how it's all yeah. set up we and we've set up outside of both of all our venues uh, nursing room too for moms so if a mom steps out and all with a with a fussier hungry baby the ushers can be like, hey, help yourself to this room over here. They got rocking chairs in it, and yeah. but there's a TV on the wall that's given putting the sermon out. And same thing with like our uh, cafe that we've got, and uh, they've actually started counting counting those <laughs> folks in attendance when they're there. There's probably 20 people, and they're just sitting there watching the sermon because I, I guess they just don't want to bring their coffee in the worship center. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, so our ushers have gone through and started counting them. I think it's worth attending the service. <laughs> Start passing the plates in that room. Yeah. <laughs> just, just call it. Just call it the cafe venue. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have three venues. On then the we got to start staffing you for worship, and we don't want to do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think our distribution center has what you're talking about uh, receivers mm -hmm. at every uh, at every drop. It's a drop. You know, you've got your cat five or whatever. Yeah. To the receiver going to the television. I think we have. I think that's how it's run uh, within our within that building. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's typically probably, I mean, any that most of them are. Um, but there's, gosh, there's, there's so much new technology out there, it's just hard to keep up with. Like, I was at Chick fil A in Grovetown, and they had a display there while you were waiting for your food. And I was in there rolling slides and stuff, and I was like, okay, it's just. But then all of a sudden, this slide comes up, and it is it's automatically populating with people's hashtags. And oh. pictures they post, mm -hmm. and I was like, "That's something new. I haven't yeah. seen that." And it turned out, um, I finally saw a slide with like a logo. I forgot the name of the company now. I've got it bookmarked on my computer. So it's this service you pay for, and it's and it's just uh, slides, communication slides. But you can go in there and say, "Okay, if they hashtag it, uh, hashtag Go Georgia or hashtag Go Georgia Conference," and they take a picture and hashtag it then it'll automatically pull it in and then you can approve it and then it'll put it into the to the mix right. so i was like that could be really cool for like a youth group like if you have one of these now that'd be neat is, is to find out is okay if i have one tv in the youth group can i send all the things that are hashtag you know or just w um w warns to wsm warns to ministry so anything is hashtag wsm could it populate to that tv and anything worship related you could populate over here. I was like, that'd be kind of, kind of cool, yep. especially in youth spaces or our family life center, you know, those kind of things. Instagram. I mean, um, Pro Center used to have a feature where you could do that—the social button up at the top. They, but Instagram and Facebook changed their privacy policies, and so you, 
So no third-party app can go in and access your personal Instagram and Facebook accounts. Um, so basically, so ProPresenter sent out a notice, this was like a year and a half ago, yeah. they sent out a notice like, you know, let me do this, whatever. So I wonder how that's working with that, that privacy policy. I don't know. They found, obviously found a way around it. It's crazy. Yeah. I think I would think if you if you were putting the hashtag or tagging a certain thing in your post, then it would. I don't know. Maybe that's how they get they get permission. If you, as the user, tag them or post mm-hmm. post it, you know, with a certain user, they can put it up. I don't know. Does ProPresenter still do the Twitter? Yeah, you can do Twitter. But yeah, yeah, we've done that. At, um, like a marriage conference, we did a parenting series on Wednesday nights with our pastor and and um, teaching pastor, and they would you could tweet a question and hashtag it, and then we had a moderator, and they could actually put up questions from in the room live, almost live. Um, okay, okay, you're answering this question, so forth and so on. I was like, another another creative way to use visual and technology to enhance what we're doing in our services. Um, One of the things we brought up last night in our audio class, but um, I think it applies here. So like, I totally agree. You have to be really, really careful like using live streaming. I I see a ton of churches that just like put up an iPhone in the back of the room and it sounds terrible, looks terrible. It's very disengaging on a live stream basis. So there's a very good reason to caution all that stuff. Um, But one of the things you brought up is that the average attending person in your church is, is probably only coming two to three times a month. Um, and that's just because of work schedules have, have changed, our culture is just changing in a way that isn't making space for Sunday, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, and so live streaming can be a really good way. I've seen a lot of churches that, that again, do it well. That they, There's a ton of folks that are sitting at a desk somewhere on a Sunday morning pulling up their live streams to, just to be able, feel like they're at least somewhat a part of their home church. Um, when they can't be there because of work or for sports or for other for mm-hmm. things, but um, that could be a good reason to do it um, yeah. to, to, to add that to it, um, and then just also like putting in front. Of, I feel like it's easy as tech guys to to see to like just get in a rut of like doing things for and uh, in, in just like technically executing the plan, but um, constantly putting. And I saw this. I saw a phrase in the worship ministry of this church. On the wall, uh, but constantly putting in front of your your volunteers like why it's important to be doing these things well, and like if you think about the person that's not able to attend that day and like sitting in there wherever they are um, and, and wishing they could be a part of the church or, or, or just unable to be a part for whatever reason, uh, if you say like you're engaging that person right now uh, and just kind of keep in mind the the goal of what you're trying to do, um, it's a really important thing because I think it gives a different motivation to the tech side of things than just like pushing buttons, making things sound good, making things look good. And, and, and you can see that as truly a ministry, but I'll, somewhere in, I, I'll, I'll, I gotta figure out where that is, but um, I saw a sign where it says, um, like when, as you're doing what you're doing today, you're engaging uh, up to a thousand people. Because they, they, I think they have a pretty pretty good uh, su- subscriber base here, but like the, up to a thousand people are watching what you're doing right now. Um, uh, and so just kind of keep it in front of 
uh, for your people this that this kind of thing can have an eternal impact on people's lives. So it's mm -hmm. cool. Absolutely, and, and and because of that, you know, the, the weight of it, the importance of it is is why we want to make sure we do what's within our ability and budget to do it well. Yeah, um, and to to put something out there that is quality and and that will engage people. Um, that's like this this guy's article, he was kind of talking about, you know, there is, at any scale of the spectrum, there is a need probably for somebody in your church to be able to engage, whether they're at work or out of town or um, anything like that. But his kind of point, which I can understand um, and see both sides of it is, Okay, that's great, but if it's for your members, they're going to watch whether it's an iPhone with iPhone audio, um, or they're you know they're going to watch it. So make that a private group and available to anybody that's a member of that group, versus throwing it out there for the whole world. But spend fifteen hundred bucks, get you a way to get good audio, good video in there. And you can, you know, put it out there, get it out there, let the world, let the world hear. Um, well, what else can we uh, help you guys with? Brainstorm with, answer questions with. How would um, using this uh, box? Mm -hmm. um, how would how would using that compare with the, um, like a system like Sling Studio or some or something like that? Um, Cost-wise, or, or with the ease, ease of use and things like that. Yeah, I think uh, Sling. That, that's why y'all took to Europe, right? Sling is is slick. I personally have not used it, but I know Nick's used it before. I mean, it it is your switching system as well as streaming system. Yeah. So it's it's a real and it's pretty solid. I mean, quality yeah, so, is good. And so pros are pros are that. So have you ever heard of Sling Studio? So there, it's it's this little white box basically um, that um, you can you wirelessly connect. It has a built-in router, um, so you're wirelessly connecting devices to this thing. Uh, if you have a, a camera, like so, if I was using this camera for sling, I would take the HDMI out and connect it to a transmitter box that's wirelessly transmitting the video to the Sling Studio. Uh, now, so you're, it's going to autom automatically downgrade to whatever uh, video quality that it has to in order to transmit it. Um, but I, but so for instance, we did, a, we did a tour of Sons of Jubal last year um, in England and, and basically the, our video guy walked, like yeah. pulled a Sling Studio out, um, set that up, he grabbed my iPhone from me, put it on like an iPhone tripod and set it on the stage somewhere. Um, my iPhone's transmitting one video camera angle. He had another camera in the back of the room transmitting another video angle, and then the GoPro, I think is what his other one was, and he had it somewhere else. So three or four angles of video uh, wirelessly transmitting back to that white box home base. That's then recording HD to a hard drive, uh, an external hard drive that he connected, but it also is, <laughs> he, he had it connected to tether the internet off his phone to broadcast. So it was like, so he was completely wireless, didn't have a computer hooked up at all. But then he had, um, on his tripod, he set up a, an iPad, 
that had all the four angles on there. And so he's sitting there manning a camera, watching this, and he's saying, okay, I wanna to switch to that angle. And then it switches automatically on the iPad uh, to, to view that angle. And again, but the, the difference with this is that you're, you know you're getting a solid 1080p connection all the time. Wired connection, you're, you're not gonna, if, if something happens where wireless all of a sudden gets really trafficked uh, in that area, mm -hmm. Or, or if he's at such a distance that it has to downgrade in order to, to get that transmission to happen or whatever, mm -hmm. you're at the mercy of wireless at that point. Um, and so you're and I don't, does it ha I know it has at least one wired input. Does it have more than it one? Has, it has one HDMI input. It has HDMI in and, a, and an HDMI out. Okay. So we never use that, so I, I don't... I, I, so you could, like, uh, on this setup, you have one wired camera you so one, with the basic package, because you get one transmitter, and because I was, I was, that's one of the things mm -hmm. I was looking at. You get one transmitter that can be one of your cameras, and then you can have a wired camera, yeah, as as well. So you can do it too. And then we like the iPhone hooks on them. Can, can, you don't have to have a transmitter. Yeah, just do that. App, yeah, yeah. It, it's slick. I mean, it's real it slick. Looks so good. Um, it, it's a it's a really cool setup. Um, and and again, I think I think the only disadvantage is it just scares me a little bit to be wireless for yeah. like a permanent install situation. Yeah. Um, we there's a lot more grace in a when you're set, you only have 15 minutes to set up in yeah. the other side of the world in England. It's like yeah, okay, that's amazing that you pulled that off. Yeah. Um, but you know when when it's your when it's your permanent install, like it, it is nice to have a little more secure. Cost wise, I think those are only like. The basics kit was like fifteen hundred. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think only like fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, and then what does um, be interesting? I don't know enough about if it will do multi-stream, multi-platform stream. So could you go to Facebook Live and YouTube Live? I don't. Know and that. you know, yeah. so that'd be something to consider: is yeah. is is that what platform are we want to engage with? And will this get us there? So you know, as a church, if you're saying. Yeah. We want to be able to do YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and you know, to our website yeah. simultaneously. Would it would streams that. out? Does it go out over? Is it a USB or is it heat? It, uh, it was an adapter that I think that came with it. I can't remember how it connected to the computer. Yeah, you can do it with your computer. He did it. I mean, he's he was connected. To, he said he was doing it through his phone or something yeah. through his iPhone. Yeah. Or Tim's that, that, that was basically USB. Pretty darn cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Sling is a cool, cool device. Uh, uh, and so the other, the, I, I briefly mentioned the hard drive, but it it records all four camera angles into the hard drive. What? So you can basically you can use your broad, your live stream broadcast, but then you um, can go back and, and go back and go switch it yourself. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. Right. That's where the 4K post-production thing is. Yeah. So if you have a bunch of 4K cameras, put throwing it in there. I, I would be interested. We were we definitely weren't shooting 4K in England. So no. I'd be interested to see how well it. If you try to send 4K wirelessly, well, and over iPhone, like three iPhones and a 4K GH5 or something. I mean, like a camera mm -hmm. kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. I could do it well. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and really. There probably would be any real need for any of us to be doing it in 4K anyway. Yeah. I mean, just because most folks, the video quality on their computer, or, the, or honestly, they're probably going to watch it on their phone. Yeah. You know, 1080 is going to be generous. Quality.
quality form. But this is a cool solution if you were wanting to add that switching capabilities in, into the mix without having to add the switcher comp, you know, price tag. Because you know, rolling, I mean, you can get a roll, a decent, a nice little rolling switcher. I think it's like 800 bucks. Seven, yeah, eight hundred bucks. That like, little one. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere around there. But then you're talking. The other thing about this, I, and I'm, I'm just thinking about this now. But if you're if you're using any cameras on your screen, so so if you have multiple destinations you're trying to use, um, it's one thing to put everything into a switcher, and you're using it strictly for broadcast purposes. But if you're trying to use that for like any sort of iMag purposes for your pastor or anything like that. Um, I can see that being difficult. Yeah, yeah. This would be if I want to switch and live stream. Yeah, I guess you could still do it. I mean, you can use your HDMI input as your pro presenter as one as an input, and then your yeah. You can still do it, I guess. Yeah. And you also, if you get into some of the production switchers, like the one we have in Simmons Hall, our, our second room technically is two switchers. because so I've got my main part of the, the switcher that's going out to my side screens, but then we have a center projecting screen that's independent of those, and I can switch what's going on my side screens, or I can take any of my inputs and put that up on my center screen. So it's just kind of what what's that in function need to be and workflow need to be for, for, your, for your need and what you want to do in there. Thanks, lunchtime. Yeah. Is it the twelve is it new number Yeah. Right. So yeah, if um if we can be of any other help or talk through more yeah. things with y'all, brainstorm with you. Um it's usually where good ideas come from is talking with other folks about it. So we're here the rest of the day to help you guys if anything y'all comes up. I appreciate it. I've learned a lot. I am thinking that I use a box like that or even figure out how to come out of how to capture situation. I really need a another computer though because I'm running Pro Presenter and all my stuff, you know, right here mm -hmm. this this one uh, iMac and I, I don't want to loop it back in and try to no. stream from this iMac. Um, no, I mean yeah. that would be a lot to put on that one computer. Yeah. And but that's where like this little guy, I mean if you're going if you want to go just Facebook, if you're like, okay, we're gonna do Facebook, I mean this little Chromebook, I mean I don't know yeah, two hundred bucks, and then and that's the only thing this thing is doing. Then it should have capabilities of you know, of rocking it out. You know, and, and with Facebook, if you're able to schedule that to automatically start streaming, so your volunteers don't have to worry about. Oh no, who hit? Right. Yeah. Go. Oh, one one thing too to think about is if you are going to stream your whole services, is the licensing. Yeah. So. I mean, CCLI has the live, the stream license, so I just encourage you to go ahead and invest in that and make yourselves legal. And that mainly is about the music, right? What now? That's mainly about the Yes, yes. The, the CCLI live stream, the stream license lets you stream your music live. If you're going to do just does sermon... Not, does not cover a choir track or recorded... Uh, correct. Recorded media. Yep. All right. Well, oh, appreciate it. All right. Thank you, gentlemen.